We're still at it interviewing the candidates in the 2019 Madison mayoral race. This week, we're bringing you Toriana Petaway. I'm Eric Lawrenson. I report on tech for the Cap Times. Hi, I'm Lisa Speckard-Pask, and I am the Metro Reporter. And I'm Abby Becker. I cover city and county government. And this is the Mad Splainers. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to Madsplainer's Election Edition, where we're bringing you interviews and conversations all about the 2019 mayoral race in Madison. And today we have an interview featuring Tori Anna Petaway, the city's racial equity coordinator. Uh, Lisa, uh, who is this person exactly? Yeah, so as the coordinator, she obviously does a lot of work with equity and looking at disparities, and that work actually touches a lot of different areas of the city's processes and projects. And then she is also a little bit different than the other five candidates who are on the ballot because she says she's writing as a writing candidate. And to find out why and to learn more about her, we can listen to this interview. All right. Well, Toriana, thanks so much for being here. Yes. Thank you for having me, Abby. Definitely. So tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, what first brought you to Madison? Oh, my goodness. I moved to Madison now 26 years ago. My dad retired, who was in the Navy, um, from the Navy. And when he retired, he gave my mother the opportunity to decide where she wanted to live for the first time. We lived all over the world and abroad. And um, she had the opportunity to decide that she was going to be close to her sister. <laughs> she picked Madison, Wisconsin to be with my auntie Addie Petaway. And it, it was kind of a, not necessarily a culture shock, but a shock because we had only lived in two other places that was cold, not as extreme cold as this, you know, Germany and, um, uh, Philadelphia, mm-hmm. but Madison was very different in the sense that it gets really cold here, and I'm allergic to cold. I people laugh when they no, like you laugh. You no, 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 no. <laughs> I I literally had to start taking anxiety medicine when I first wow. started move when I first moved here. I was passing out, and I was having very severe um, anxiety attacks. But so that's how I got here. But the beautiful thing about Madison is, is that I've had two children here. I have three kids all. I have three kids, um, Notori, Ashton, Kendall, and Tarina. I had two kids here, came to Madison with my oldest, um, Notori. But, um, this, you know, the, the community is safe. Um, I've been able to rear my kids here. Um, they have adjusted. They're like little polar bears. They mm-hmm. they love it. You know, they're they're adjusted to this community in a way that I have not adjusted. They don't wear coats. They barely wear clothes. Not me. Um, I I can't. I I'm you know I'm like fifteen layers. layers. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. But that's the thing that is really different. Um, this is kind of home now. My family is here. I mean, I have extended family. I have my auntie, her children. Um, my father just passed away from cancer in um, May. 
Um, you know, that was, you know, very sad. And he was the one who encouraged me to follow this um, and um, run for mayor. And so that's one of the things that I do grieve because we always talk politics. And he knew that my, he knew my passion. He knew my passion for the law and politics. And so that's one of the things that I kind of grieve because uh I don't have that daily conversation anymore. And so my mom tries to pick up the slack. And not because she knew that that was one of the things that I did every day with my dad, talk about politics and what was in the news. And um, because he knows that that was very passionate about me. So, um, but he encouraged me. He was like, you, you run, mm -hmm. you run, you do what you know that you're supposed to do. Um, um, you know what needs to happen in the city of Madison. You know what needs to be transformed. And your position is the city's racial equity coordinator. Yes. Yeah. You know, for our listeners, could you explain a little bit about um, what that role is and, you know, what you what you do essentially in that? You know, um, I know I know some about it, and it's, a, it's an internal system, right? I mean, you're working right. with city agencies and department heads. So kind right. of in a nutshell, you know, what what is that work? I am supposed to maintain a neutrality for the city, working for the mayor and council um, and working with now all 27 department heads. We have what's called an equitable workforce plan, which is the affirmative action plan. Every department has to goal set. And when they goal set, they're basically looking at job family availability. And this is data that we have that says um, this is our opportunity to look at how we navigate with government and our community and how we deconstruct institutional racism, both internally and externally, and to make things better, remove inequities, remove systemic injustices, and how do, how do we transform government? In the city of Madison, we have 28 protective classes. And in those 28 protective classes, we've otherized other people very intentionally. And my job is to work very collaboratively with our department heads, with our elected officials, with our mayor and our judicial system, and our community partners. And so I do this by um, using racial equity analysis um, to remove um, barriers by saying who's burdened, who's benefited, what is the unintended consequences by using data, and then also in our hiring practices by using um, equitable hiring tools. One of the things that our departments have to do is that they have to demonstrate using these tools three times a year, and we work with these departments. I have a team of about 30 to 40 people that are facilitators. We do trainings. We have three trainings that that happens throughout the course of the year. Um, we hold them um, every month. And so there's a part one training that looks at what is the historical um, aspects of racial equity and social justice. How do we get here? The part two is looking at our tools, the two tools that I just talked about, the racial equity analysis and the equitable hiring tool. And then we take part one and then we build on it and then we help them use those tools to deconstruct the race. How do you look at analysis and use transformational practices to look at our policies and procedures? And then part three is we build up individuals to be leaders. Everyone can be an anti-racist. When you recognize what it is in yourself, when you identif identify your own bias, 
We all have it. Mm -hmm. And when you understand what your own bias are, then you can work towards your own individual journeys of deconstructing racism in your own spheres of influence. So that's my job. I teach, I train, I help build awareness. I try to build a community, a collaboration, both internally and externally, and then give people tools to unpack that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been very successful. I guess, could you just elaborate on why, why you want this? Why are you pursuing this position? I'm pursuing this position because, you know, oftentimes individuals will come to me and share um, things with me. And when they would share stuff with me, oftentimes they would do it in privacy and they would want to remain anonymous um, about the disparities and about the injustice that they have experienced. And you share with them their rights that they can file a complaint and that they have laws that would support them. They've lost hope in the process. And that became very disheartening. And then you see that they thought that I had some power to do something, and I didn't. But what I did have was the ability to negotiate. What I did have was the ability to go and talk and collaborate. And that's what I did. Um, I did I'm not a fearful person. I'm not complacent and I'm not risk adverse. And that's exactly what I did. I would bring issues to the table. And that's why I want to run. Um, one of the things that I did notice um, Um, in my position, is that we talk about the data that we have. We will meet and we would talk about, oh, well, let's get another consultant. Let's pull another group together. Let's talk about this issue. And we intellectualize ideas, concepts over and over again, but we never, ever move to actual action about the disparities that people are experiencing. And people who are experiencing crisis in the moment want something to be done in the moment. These are things that I'm just absolutely tired of. I want to address these things. Mm -hmm. I want us to stop creating wonderful documents and wonderful brochures. And I want us to actually create good plans that get to the root of issues. Do you have an example at this point of, you know, if elected, what if there's a specific policy change or new initiative you would want to implement to to get at those root causes that, that you're discussing? You know, we do have a rising issue in with our youth in the community. Um, several things had happened. Uh, last year, year before last, when the mall policy had came into play with our youth and they had to be out of the malls at 4 p.m., I had went to several people and had asked, what are we going to do to advocate for our youth? Being out of the malls at 4 p.m. is unconscionable to me. Um, Yes, I understand that this is a very serious issue. Yes, I understand that there are kids who are, they they shouldn't be unsupervised. There are kids that are misbehaving in the malls. However, this is not the majority of the kids. It's just a few of the kids. But we need to get to the root of the issue here. Because what I do know, if you look at data across the nation, kids are spending anywhere from $120 or more a week in the malls, they're spending the most money. So were there other things that could have happened? 
Did you talk to the kids? Did you come up with other collaborative efforts where you brought the old people or the elderly together and the young people together and talk about real solutions other than just coming up with a policy without the people who are closest to those issues? Mm-hmm. So talking about better engagement. Better engagement. But we don't do that in Madison. What we do is we always listen to those who have the loudest voice. We do this in every situation that happens in this city. We have Band-Aid approaches, and we've always been operating with Band-Aid approaches in the last 20 years. Whoever yells the loudest gets what they want. If they lawyer up, if they got the most money, if they show up in numbers— Whatever solution they put forward, that's what works. But the people who are affected the most, even if they don't show up, and then the, the majority will say, well, if they, if they really cared, they would have showed up. Well, those people are probably at work because they got to pay their bills. They're economic depressed, right? They, you know, you're not thinking, privilege don't think about what other underprivileged, underserved, absolutely have to go through, right? So my solution to things like this is let's stop othering and let's start thinking about how do we do shared prosperity in a way that talks about our common values. You know, a low-income mother wants to provide shelter and safety for her kids, just like a a high-income earner wants to provide shelter and safety for her kids. However, the means of doing that is just different. You brought up um, another issue at the beginning of this uh, beginning of our conversation that I want to get back to, and that is um, at the time of the election deadline, um, there was a a problem at the clerk's office, and essentially um, the clerk's office determined after you had submitted your nomination signatures that um, some were invalid, meaning that you didn't have the full 200 signatures um, to be on the ballot. And and I believe... um, you know, you had called what happened, um, you know, some, some white supremacy BS. And so right. I wanted to bring that up and um, just hear from you on sort of uh, what happened and uh, to explain that comment a little bit. Oh, definitely. So the week prior to the Wednesday of signatures needed to be turned in, I went in with my son and my daughter. I went in with 124 signatures the first time. And they said, how many do you have? And I said, 124. And they said, well, I'm only counting to 100 because it's 100. And I said, well, I have 124 here. Yeah. And to, and to clarify, so, so 200 are needed. Right. So you were under the impression that 100 yes. was the requirement. I had read on the site that it was 100. And uh, I had it flipped because I was looking at the school board stuff mm. and not for the mayoral stuff. So right. And so I the number of signatures wrong. needed does differ between yes. mayor, school board, and city right. council. Right. And so I had that wrong. So the clerk's employee said, nope, I'm only counting to 100 because that's all you need. And once I get to 100, I'm done. And I said, whatever, because I, I have 120. And they said, well, okay, no problem. But however, the next morning, I got a phone call from the clerk's office saying, oh, we checked. It's actually 200, but don't worry. Uh, you have until next week, Wednesday, to get them in. And what was really wonderful and bad all in the same breath is that I had called everyone that was collecting signatures for me and had told them that I didn't need their extra sheets. And at that point, I had about eight extra sheets out. 
that's 200 right there. And so, um, and that's exactly what the person who was on the phone with me that morning said, oh, you need about uh, 83 more signatures. And he said I had 113. I know I, I had 124. So that's an issue right there because I counted 124. My son mm-hmm. counted 124. And then he said, oh, you only need, you only need 84. So the following week when we came back in and, and I had well over 200, I, you know, a lot of mine, my nomination signatures were not accepted because some were City of Madison, which I'm not going to contest that because if they're City of, I mean, not City of of Madison, Town of Madison, Mm -hmm. you can't contest, you know, Town of Madison is Town of Madison. Different jurisdiction. Different jurisdiction. They don't count. I had one that was Sun Perry, one village of Oregon or something like that, and a few that were Fitchburg. But my problem was, is that there were some that um, they said that was not legible. Meaning they couldn't, they just couldn't read it? Like it was too messy, messy handwriting? And then there were some, um, when you put it in to access Dane, they didn't come up. And I kept saying, well, what is the official, because the state's... And access Dane is a system that you're looking to make, to to confirm addresses in their city of Madison. Right, right. The city clerks was telling me all of this stuff, like, it has to be legible, it has to be printed well. Well, there were inconsistencies on on my sheet. On one occasion, there was Madison and date missing, wasn't counted. Madison, date missing, counted. Several of those. Okay, you're counting it here, but you're Mm. not counting in here, and I got several of those. You're being inconsistent. So I'm calling out all of these inconsistencies. Well, we'll count this. We'll count these because they highlighted them, and that was their mistake because they weren't being consistent. Then there were situations where they couldn't read the writing, and then I had my campaign manager. I said, go get all of the other candidates' stuff, and I want to see if they were doing the same scrutiny on theirs, if they were doing on mine. What we saw was is that there were candidates who didn't even have street numbers on their nomination signatures. And you're counting them? So how did you verify it? And that's what I was asking the clerk. Um, you can't, you're saying you can't read my signatures. You can't read my street addresses. And you're not counting them. But there are a, a host of ones on theirs. I can't make out nothing. And you're counting them. So these inconsistencies that you're calling out is yes. what's wrapped up in the, the white supremacy yes. BS comment? Mm-hmm. Oh, but they had well over 400. But you threw out so many of mine, and I I can't even tell what this is, and there's not even a street number. So how can you validate it? Yeah. And so, and you said that you, you're still looking into this, challenging I'm, this? I'm just at this point. It's 199 now. Mm-hmm. And One short of the 200. Mm-hmm. So, so are you, um, I guess, in the process of, I mean, I guess have you come just to accept that? Well, I'm we'll not gonna. I'm not or? going. I'm not gonna go and the. That's a legal battle. I did. I, I need to raise money and to to spend that kind of money on trying to throw out other candidates' signatures. You know, 
to me, that's not a good good use of mm-hmm. money mm-hmm. and time. I'm not that mali- I'm not a malicious person. I just want to be on the ballot. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, you you are running as a write-in candidate. I am running as a write-in candidate. And I know that this is a long shot, but no matter what, I'm going to door knock my butt off. I'm going to get out there and try to do whatever I can. I have real solutions for the issues that are real issues in Madison, like housing affordability, lack of transportation in all of our neighborhoods. Why is our our, our debt service going up every year and your property taxes going up every year? What is that connected to? You know, dark store loopholes and Walgreens loopholes is real. But why is that? Why is that tax debt being shared with you? Why are you paying more property tax? Let's talk about that. I want to know what is what what are your thoughts on that? And if we're going to have shared prosperity in this community, we have to talk about real solutions. I'm the only candidate that I believe that have real solutions. I have tons of them. And you know why I have the real solutions? Because I've been doing the work. Well, on that note, you know, at a recent uh, forum that the Cap Times hosted, you had asked those in the audience to uh, to take a chance on you. Right. Um, and so I guess along those lines, you know, um, what sets you apart from the, the rest of the field? Working as um, an employee within the system, I see what needs to happen. You know, I think all of the other candidates bring something very unique to, this, to the table. But this is what I say. And I say it, and I will say this very boldly, if any of these other candidates are elected, that they be eaten alive. I don't think that they have the fortitude to really address um, the issues that we're dealing with within government and to be able to stand very firmly with truth and transparency um, that really needs to happen. One of the things that I think internally that our employees want to see is real accountability happen with urgency, fierce urgency, and not just more rhetoric and not just someone who's being a good politician that is going to side with, you know, business partners, um, very affluent business partners, just to talk a good game. What they want to see is someone that is going to be truthful, transparent, and accountable to what needs to happen, not come in talking about, well, we got to look at the data again, we got to hire another consultant, and then we got to make sure we did it right and intellectualize it. I know the data. I know we studied it to death and intellectualize it because we like to do that. I have the solutions. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to use the very highly intelligent people that we've hired in the city of Madison. They all have very, you know, extraordinary degrees and they're tired and they're tired of being risk adverse. And I'm going to put them to work to solve the issues that we have. Mm hmm. Well, Toriana, thank you so much for um, for your time on this podcast. We have a fun, uh, more uh, some some fun, lighthearted lightning round yes! questions coming up, similar <laughs> to what what happened at the forum. Um, before we get to those, um, is there anything else you you know you'd like to say? I'm serious about grass grassroots efficacy and really um, having our community inform government. Um, my website is Toriana Petaway for mayor.com. And I need foots on the ground to help me transform the city. I'm looking to you to help me transform the city. And I really believe that this is a great community. We are a forward community, and I want that to be a, a true statement. 
Well, let's get to those fun questions. See how you do on these. Um, Okay, number one, what's your favorite festival in Madison? Well, I wouldn't say it's a festival. I would have to say Dane Dances is my favorite event. That can count as a festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I love the dance. I love the dance. Mm -hmm, That, mm -hmm. That my kids love it. That's my favorite time of the year. All right, number two, what's your favorite sandwich in Madison? I'm not big. I'm not a big sandwich person. You can be honest here. This is what this is all about. Yes, <laughs> Toriana is not into sandwiches. I'm not into sandwiches. <laughs> okay, that's okay. Final answer. Not into sandwiches. What's your favorite statue, landmark, or public art piece in Madison? Ooh, let's see. Um, oh goodness, you know. Oh gosh, that's that's hard because we do go quite a few places. Um I think my favorite landmark would be I I actually my favorite landmark in the city because I am really like drawn to water is the the rooftop of Monona Terrace. And what a great view, right? Right. Yeah. And but I also like uh the Union. <laughs> See, because that's kind of hard. Any place with water yeah. that I can, like, glare out over <laughs> is going to be my favorite place. Okay. All right, so this is a little game of would you rather. Um, would you rather have backyard chickens or backyard bees? I guess chickens. Chickens. <laughs> you don't seem thrilled <laughs> about either choice. <laughs> um, would you rather drink small batch coffee, kombucha, or beer? Uh, coffee. Coffee. Yeah, yes. me too. Would you rather travel around Madison by bike, bus, or car? Bike. Bike. And would you rather go to the co-op to grow your own produce? Um, I'm sorry. Would you rather go to the co-op for your produce or grow it in your own backyard garden? Um, Grow it in my own backyard garden. Okay. And how many different Madison neighborhoods have you lived in? Five. Five. Okay. Yes. All right. Um, And if you were stranded on a desert island, which book and movie would you want to have with you? Um... Notebook would be the movie that I watched. I love watching that movie over and over again. Watch those rom-coms over and over. Yeah. um, The book, I guess, would have to be the Bible. Okay. Right. You need that spiritual inspiration if you're going to be stranded on Desert Island. Yes, (laughs) because I can can read that, you know, over and over again, and it would always reveal something new to me. Mm -hmm. Well, Toriana, that's all we've got for you. So thank you so much for being on the Mansplainers. We really appreciate you being here. Thank you for having me. This was awesome. That wraps it up for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you learned a little bit more about Toriana. You can also check out CapTime's other podcasts like Corner Table, which is a dining podcast, or Wedge Issues, which focuses more on state politics. Um, You can subscribe to all these podcasts on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and be sure to tune in next time. Mm